Welcome to the official Jets podcast. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen and Leger Duzable as always. Elijah Moore is going to join us on the pod. Mm-hmm. Caroline Hendershot, new New York Jets reporter, is going to interview Priscilla Frederick Loomis. Unbelievable story there. But, Deuce, we start with you. The months are rolling by. It's December yeah, already. Can't believe it's December already. I feel like it was just August a week ago. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did, man. Got to spend some time with some family. Uh, did a lot of studying, really, because, you know, I have to call the college games on Saturday. So a lot of film work, like everybody else. Um, watched a lot of NFL football on Thursday, three games. So that was fun to always be able to sit back and watch some NFL on a holiday. So how was your trip out west? Tell us about it. Oh, man. So I had to go to South Dakota this past week. <laughs> uh, South Dakota State versus UC Davis, first round FCF. FCS championship. It was a good trip, man. You know, I had to lay over in Chicago, then flew out to Sioux Falls. And um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot in South Dakota, but I was able to go to Falls Park. And if you ever find yourself in Sioux Falls, make sure you make your way out to Falls Park. Beautiful. It's very beautiful. Uh, a whole bunch of little waterfalls there. And, you know, it was quite chilly, about 30 degrees. Uh, wind chill on that Saturday was like 19 miles an hour. So it kind of affected the kicking game okay. in that game. But, yeah, congratulations to, you know, Coach Stig and, you know, South Dakota State Jack Rabbits on moving into the next round. They got Sacramento State this week. So does that check a box for you in terms of states that you've traveled to? It is. I had never been to South Dakota, honestly. So that was, you know, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to go. And also – my guy, Pat McAfee, you know, a few years ago went to South Dakota State um, for game day, college game day, because they're getting ready to play North Dakota State in a rival game. And I just saw the atmosphere and how crazy it looked. Now, it was a little bit different this past week because it was a holiday, you know, a lot of the students weren't on campus. So the crowd wasn't as boisterous or as loud as it was on college game day, but it had a nice little crowd come out there and support the Jackrabbits. So it was good this week, you know, heading right up the road to Philadelphia. Villanova versus, you know, uh, Sacred, not Sacred Heart, Holy Cross in the f- second round of the FCS playoffs. I'll be on call for that uh, ESPN Friday. So, All right. So, so, awesome. Let's get to some Jets football. Let's do it. What did you think about John Franklin Myers? Two sacks <sighs> against the Texans, one interception. He was kicking himself about not returning that one for <laughs> six. But all in all, you got to say, he's had good games in his NFL career. That might have been his best. 100%. And the funny thing is, yeah, I actually texted him on Thanksgiving to wish him a happy Thanksgiving. And I said, bro, go get you two on Sunday. You did? I swear, you could ask him. <laughs> um, so it's all on Twitter, too. He retweeted it. Um, so it was good to see that he actually got two, but he got him in the first half and got the interception in the first half. And I know a lot of people have been on him because they were saying since he's got paid, he hasn't played as well. But he's been dealing with some injuries. He's been fighting through it for his teams. But, you know, this time of year, everybody's hurt and banged up. So. I think this is the first time in a few weeks we saw the burst from him, though. It wasn't just speed to power. His first sack beating the tackle around the edge, you saw him with the fake inside move and the swipe to get around, and you saw him bend and finish with speed to the quarterback. So I feel like he's starting to turn that corner, starting to feel a little bit better from the injury that he's he's had. And he, he was just pure dominant, and it just, again, wasn't in the pass game. In the run game, he had an early tackle for loss early in the game. He was dominating the, you know, the offensive tackles, and this is the guy that we saw earlier in the season. I think this is the guy we'll see go, going forward. Don't look now, but the Jets have the potential to have two double-digit sack Ooh, guys. Right now, team lead, we got a tie with the aforementioned JFM, six sacks. But Quinnen Williams Ooh. said, hey, you're not getting away from me because he picked up his sixth sack yeah. in the second half, and we're seeing that 
outside in or inside out dynamic at work. Yeah, and definitely, and people have been kind of like saying the same thing about him too, right? They're talking about his inconsistency, but the thing is he's played consistently well. Like it hasn't always sometimes showed up on the stat sheet. There's been a lot of times where he's gotten to the quarterback and hit, hit him and affected the quarterback, and there's been times where he's been dominant in the run game, but I think now that he, you see that him having six sacks, which is a big number for a defensive tackle with still, what, six games left mm-hmm. in the season. So he has the potential, like you said, to be, you know, get double digits and to even break his record from last year, which I believe was seven and a half. So um, you're talking about a guy that's definitely on that trajectory of, of, of going up. Like, we still don't know what his ceiling is because he's still so young. But this guy's a hell of a player. And his sack came at a pivotal point in the game. You're yes. talking about the Texans getting the ball because of a bad punt um, in plus territory. He gets that sack, knocks him almost out of field goal range. They still attempt the field goal, I believe it was 55-yarder, but the kicker pushed the field goal. So that was a big sack by Quentin, Quentin Williams right there. And usually a guy like Tyrod Taylor, who's a veteran guy, wouldn't take a sack like that. But Q dog walked the center so bad, he had no choice. Like, he was going to get sacked regardless or it was going to be intentional ground. So either way, you lose the yardage right there. So that's a big-time play. And we've seen him do this, uh, you know, numerous times. Go back to the game um, – for Cincinnati, right, They're, they get the ball. Um, the defense does a hell of a job, you know, the first three downs and on fourth down, he sacks Joe Burrow and gets off the field. Now, And, again, the defense was in plus territory yeah. right there, I believe on the one-yard line, and the defense stood up. So he's made big-time plays. We just want to see these guys continue to grow together and continue to play well. Can you talk about how the snaps are distributed? Because yeah. I think that, uh, obviously, you play in the system, so you can give us – that knowledge yeah. is being somebody in the room in the rotational system. You just brought up a, a very good point about Quinnen as well. Like people sometimes I think are saying, well, where is he? Well, if you really look at his snap numbers, oh, in, yeah. the, production, bring that up. in yeah. the production he's giving it's you. It's through the roof. Yes. So, like, if you look at all the defensive tackles that have as many sacks as him or as more, and I believe he's top three in the defensive tackle group as far as creating pressure from the inside, I think only behind um, – Aaron Donald, and I'm trying to think who the other D tackle is, but he's top three. It might be, is it is it a guy in Tennessee? It might be Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. It might be Jeffrey Simmons. Um, but as far as his production for reps, he's he's knocking it out of water yeah. compared to those other two guys. So they've gotten significantly more snaps than him. I believe both of them have had at least 200 more snaps than him. Wow. And I think, to me, he actually subs out too much. I, mean, I know in this Robert Sala defense, he wants guys fresh – waving in and out, but we had a guy, DeForest Buckton, who barely came out of the game. And I think Quentin Williams is of that same mode. Now, they're two different players in how they play the game. I believe Quentin plays with a little bit more power than DeForest. DeForest plays with power, but he's a little bit more athletic than Quentin. Quentin is athletic, but not as, as athletic as DeForest Buckner. But DeForest Buckner literally never came out of the game. Like, this is a guy that was taking a 1,000 snaps each season. Um, so, like, I believe you could put a little bit more on Quentin, and I think that production will get up um, if they do. But for his play, for his play snaps, and the production that he's had, it's through the roof. And I don't think people have really looked at that and tested that. They just see like his numbers aren't as, as you know as godly as some other guys. But they they've actually had more reps than him. But the thing is, he's keeping pace with him. I believe he has as many snacks as Aaron Donald right now. I think Jeffrey Simmons may have one or maybe two sacks more than him. But, again, they've played significantly more snaps than him. So, you're talking about a guy at the defensive tackle position that is disruptive, not only in the run game, but in the pass game. And a lot of people talk about you got to have that in coming off the edge, and they do in John Franklin Myers. But when you have a defensive tackle that can disrupt the game for the inside, quarterbacks hate that more than anything. All right, a lot to get to on this podcast. I told you it's loaded. Let's get to Elijah Moore right now. 
WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Elijah, great to see you, man. I want to get right to the second half of the game against the Texans. Fourth and one. Robert Sala puts his special teams unit on the field. Then he elects to take them out. When you find out exactly what the play is, what's going through your mind? That they put in trust in me and I got to get it. Man, I, I just, I was thankful that, you know, that he trusted me in that moment. Elijah, let's talk about the last three or four weeks. You've really taken off in this offense. What do you think is the cause of that? And it seems like Michael Flores put you in positions kind of like when you were at Ole Miss, just moving you around in different ways, giving you some end arounds, putting you in the slot, putting you on the outside. But what do you think your ascension, like what has been, you know, the cause of that? I feel like when a, a team doesn't know where I'm going to be or where anybody's going to be, you know, it creates issues. So that's that's something that I feel like is working. You know, he's kind of using me like how Kiffin was in oh, that Ole Miss. So I'm just grateful that that's how it's going. What did Lane Kiffin mean to you in terms of the time you spent with him at Mississippi? And how much do you credit him for really taking off there late in college? Man, I'm I'm extremely grateful for him. Man. He showed me a taught and taught me a lot. You know, um, down the coverages, down just the basic knowledge of football. I mean, that dude's definitely a genius. And anybody who's 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 with him, man, is is very lucky. <laughs> Do you think he's going to Miami or you think he's staying at Ole Miss? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. He's a, he's a very um, unpredictable dude. Yeah. As I, I know you're from the crib, so would you, would you be become a you know a Miami fan if he goes to Miami or are you still going to you know, hottie toddy? I'm hottie toddy with it, but I'm definitely a Lane Kiffin fan. <laughs> What's in the water with you guys there at Mississippi and the receivers that have come out of school lately? I feel like it's just a mentality, you know, um, I got there with those with those dudes, you know, so they definitely showed me the ropes and we just want to, you know, we want to pass that down. So I feel like if that if that continues, Ole Miss will always be a powerhouse of great athletes. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know, I'm from I'm from Florida as well. And I know people I've been saying the crib, they probably don't understand what that means. I know <laughs> you know what that means. Um, but let's just talk, you talk about mentality. And, you know, there's usually something associated with people from the crib when it comes to that dog mentality. And, you know, there was, you know, something being said about you being, you know, highly upset after, you know, the Miami game, you know, you know, losing on the sideline. Just talk about the mentality that you have as a player as far as like refusing to lose and just hating to lose. Yeah, man, it's just I just feel like everywhere everyone that's from where we where we from just kind of have to think like that. You know, we really ain't never had too much, you know, and the things that we do I I, I was really thinking about it last last game a lot. You know, against the Dolphins, man, I woke up and it was, it was on my mind heavy that there's a lot of kids that would love to be in my position. You know, that probably look at my page, that look at me and and like, man, he's he's really there doing it. You know, so I just want to make I want to make the most of it. You know, I just don't want to have great, great games. I want those great games to show the wins, you know, to show that, you know, when I'm on the team, when, you know, 
my positive thinking and my pos- and my positive movement can impact others to where we could we could win, not just where I where I could ball, you know, because I feel like I'm always gonna do that, you know. So I I really just want to win. That's the ultimate goal for everybody, you know. Smiles, more questions, more everything. Who helped you out when you were coming up? way before you got to college in Mississippi, but who do you point to as people who were big time influences in your life? Man, I I, I can have a list of list, list of names, man. Um, you know, for one, I always got to shout out Sly Johnson, man. He's one of the people that, man, that got me right since I was little, you know, he's someone who installed in me the mindset, the way I, the way I talk, think, you know, a lot of credit shot, you know, goes to him. And then of course my family, man, and really just anybody who ever told me, doubted me, or told me good things. You know, all those people play a, play a part. You know, so I'm grateful for everything. Let's talk about draft night. Going back to draft night, one of your former teammates from Ole Miss, A.J. Brown, was there with you. And you can see the emotion on his face. Just talk about what you guys have learned from each other and what you guys have meant to each other throughout this process. Man, everything. You know, I found a brother, man. Um, Definitely someone who... When I got there, connected on a different level, man. As far as mentality, as far as want, as want to, I know that kid's dreams. I know everything he want to accomplish. Like, well, you know, it's like kind of like the, you know, the Kobe and LeBron stuff. You know, the way they think is has has definitely impacted us to think very similarly, if not more. You know, it's just motivation, and I just know what he wants to accomplish. I know what type of man he wants to be. You know, God fearing. So it's just motivation, man. He's someone older than me who you know, who goes through things and I can learn from and I'm younger and I go through things that he can learn from is, you know, definitely a blessing. And we, you know, we bounce it off each other. How much do those relationships and friendships mean to you? AJ Brown said of you, I live with Elijah. He's seen my struggles. I've seen his struggles. I know what he wants to accomplish. He knows what I want to accomplish in life, period. This is not just football talk. This is life talk. Yeah, man. Because we more than a ball, you know, it's, it's, you know, everyone tells us as soon as I got drafted, man, it's a short window. You know, you, you got to make all, all your moments count. You know, people be dying, this, this and that, you know, it's just, ball is just a small, a small piece of, it. you know, and we, and we just talk about more than that. You know, of course we want to be successful. Of course we want to be in the hall of fame, but man, what type of fathers we want to be, you know, what type of, what, what type of brothers and sisters do we want to be? You know, we want to set the example, we want to impact the world. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, who the Jets play this week. You know, they have a pretty good corner on the outside and Darius Slay, and a lot of times he follows the number one receiver. Is that something that you expect this week for him to follow you around in man coverage? I mean, I don't really focus on any of that. You know, I focus on myself. You want to follow me around, you follow me around. He don't, he don't. I'm going to try to do what I got to do anyway. You know, I don't, I don't focus on the matchup. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who we go, go against. If I handle it, I'm supposed to handle it. We're going to ball regardless. Five receivers taken before you in the NFL draft. That obviously includes Devontae Smith. Do you guys have a bond in, in terms of those receivers taken early in the draft? Because I'm sure you got to know some of these guys in the pre-draft process. And a guy like Devontae, obviously you're playing in the same conference with him. Yeah. I mean, you know, we you know, we cool. We definitely talk, we talked it up a couple of times, but you know, it's not something that we just talk all the all the time. He's trying to handle business to start his career. I'm trying to do the same. So Man, best of luck to him. I hope he balls and stuff like that, but trying to win. (laughs) Um, Now that Zach Wilson is back, last week was his first week, and you guys started to really get that connection again the second half. How do you guys continue that growth throughout the season? Because you guys had a real rapport early early in camp, 
And then you kind of got banged up the Green Bay week and got hurt earlier in the in the season. But, you know, in that second half, it seemed like you guys picked up that connection from where you had it in training camp. So how do you guys continue to do that? Practice, man. We just practice, you know, talk it out. You know, just understand where he's coming from, understand where I'm coming from, get on get on the same page. At the end of the day, you know, it's football. You know, we just, we just got to play. been playing it our whole lives. You ever get tired? Uh, you're always you're always working. Like seriously, I remember like in the spring or summer, you posted on Instagram that you guys went to a playground. You were you you were working out, getting a workout in uh in the city somewhere. Yeah, man. I just I don't know. That's that's what I do. People play video games. People people do this, man. I like working out. The way to express myself, man. I definitely need it. So that's just as as really what I do is probably doing that from where I'm where I'm from. You know, everybody works out. Like, that's how we move. Elijah, as you began your early preparations looking at this Eagles film, what do you think you guys need to do to come away with a victory this week? Execute. Vision is not going to change no matter who we go against. We just got to finish. Robert Sala, your impressions? What's what's he been like uh, playing under him? And what's he like behind closed doors, maybe inside those meeting uh, meeting rooms with you guys? He's been even, even killed. And that's what we probably respect the most about him. You know, he doesn't he doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't come in up and down. He doesn't come in with no emotion. You know, emotions are emotions are fickle. You know, so he definitely comes in the same person all all the, all the time. And we you know grateful that he's solid. You know, and that's what we love. That's what we love playing playing for him. What was Coach Solid's message after the victory this past week versus the Texans? Right when you guys got in the locker room, man, that it felt good. Enjoy and enjoy this moment. We gotta do it again. You know, so. Competitive. We got to do it again, 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 again. You you brought the sunglasses out for pregame warmups against Houston. You gonna bring them out again this week? <laughs> I don't know. I might. I might bring out a little, a little something. Man, I got the drip ready. <laughs> you got some swag to your game. Who else got some swag inside that locker room in terms of their style? Man, the whole team. Man, we swag that we juiced up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, how special is that bond that you guys have this draft class? Well, we've talked to a number of guys about that who've stopped by the podcast. And uh, you mentioned it before about your relationship with A.J. Brown, that it's more than just football. It feels like the same thing is developing here with you guys as a rookie class. Mm-hmm. Nah, definitely, man. Especially, you know, MC, Elijah, man. That's off, off, The thing that I love the most is that offense is trying to, like, connect with defense. You know, and that's and that's where I feel like most most teams don't really do. You know, MC two, MC one, we all try to chill, hang out, and that's a blessing. You know, like it's all about brotherhood. You know, we, you know, we gonna be here. You know, so we might as well get close. So you know, I I love that we all opened up. You know, and nobody's just all stuck up and stuff like that. So, and, you know, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah, talk about that the, the relationship piece as far as. You, Elijah Vera Tucker, MC1, MC2, and being, you know, the, the future foundation pieces for the Jets. Just talk about you guys' mentality and, and the relationship you guys have, knowing that you guys are the future of this team. You know, we kind of look at it, we want to change it. You know, we don't want to come in. A lot of people probably before probably was, you know, just content a little bit with losing. You know, we're not really trying to move like that. You know, we want to be the difference makers. You know, every, every, everybody has a draft class that comes in and, you know, either they pan out or they don't. You know, we definitely trying to trying to be the ones that pan that pan out. So, I guess that's the mentality for you know for itself. 
Elijah, how much have you enjoyed playing in New York? And how about the connection you've had with the fans here? You're working your way up the East Coast. Obviously, a Florida kid went to school in Mississippi. And now New York is your home. No, nah, definitely, man. I love I love New York. You know, I, I was talking about it with AJ yesterday, man. I would I would love to be here forever. You know, New York's definitely a city that's crazy. You know, my family's from from here and everything and the opportunities and just everything, man. I, I'm just grateful to, you know, that I got drafted here. And the fans, how about the connection? You like seeing in the stands the number eight out there. We're starting to see more of those now, and that's going to be a fixture at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, man. Hopefully one day I can have a whole stadium in a, in a number eight. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Elijah. Love it for sure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. All right, we're rocking and rolling here on the podcast. Great stuff from Elijah Moore. Remember, Caroline Hendershot is going to check in with Priscilla Frederick Loomis. An incredible story coming up. You are listening and watching and or watching the official Jets podcast presented by WinBet, betting as a team sport, but together at WinBet, Eric Allen, Leger, Leger Doosable. Uh Before we get to the offense, you wanted to give a shout-out to somebody in the Jets secondary who you think is playing at uh, an elite level. Yeah, Bryce Hall. Like, I, I know I was reading on Twitter, a lot of people were saying he may not have his best game, but he showed up big, you know, on that fourth down stop late in the game. But to me, he still played an amazing game. Yes, you know, he gave up the touchdown to Brandon Cooks, but that was a hell of a catch and actually hell of a throw by Tyrod Taylor, who has been one of the best deep ball throws in the NFL for the last few years. He does a really good fade ball or go route, which Bryce Huff technically got beat on, but he was in perfect position, had his arm in between Brandon Cooks' arms. Brandon Cooks just makes plays like that. He's routinely done that. It's just like he doesn't get talked about enough because he gets traded, you know, from place to place, whether it's the Rams, New Orleans, the Patriots, the Texans. Yeah, they don't yeah. have a, yeah. many dudes on that team, yeah. and he, that was his 43rd career touchdown. Yeah, this so, guy's been making it happen for a long time. Yeah, so he gets it done on the outside. And then even there was a third down play where Brandon Cooks caught the ball. I don't know how because Bryce Hall was in perfect position, had his arm bar in between both of his hands, and Tyrod just fit the ball in perfectly. Like, the only thing that can – prevent good defense is better offense and that's what happened on those two plays but we saw it you know on the speed sweep Bryce Hall come up with a big play to force the Texans to punt the ball and tackle for loss we saw it with the game on the line and fourth down man coverage on the island I believe when Nico Collins knocks the ball away the Jets essentially win the game so this guy has been playing Pro Bowl caliber football and then also the acquisition of Riley coming up from the practice squad and, and starting at safety next to Ashton Davis has been really good. I really love how this guy comes down in the run game. He is not a scatter, scatter anything, and he hasn't once blinked since they moved him into the starting rotation. And Elijah Riley's going to be pumped this week because oh, yeah. he's playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, was on their practice squad last season, and this season he'll be ready for the matchup. Before we get into that, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Offensive line. Mm. Everybody's worried, and probably rightfully so, after Mackay Becton went down in week one. But I'll tell you what, they've held up quite well, and at times we've seen it 
They were dominant oh, yeah. against Houston. They were dominant earlier in the year against the Patriots. You love to see that ground game on the move. Yeah, you love the physicality. There's some veteran guys on this, you know, offensive line. If you're talking about McGovern, you're talking about George Fan and Morgan Moses. These guys have all played a lot of football. So you saw the physicality aspect, and I know we talked about this last week, that it was going to be on the offensive line to create a consistent run game versus this Houston Texans defense who routinely gave up over 130 yards a game. And I believe the Jets had over 150 yards on the ground. And that's a success right there, right? You got your young quarterback coming back. Don't put too much on his plate in the first game coming back. Run the ball effectively. And I know people were worried Michael Carter was out. But I said it. I was like, I feel like we have a comparable, you know, comparable backs in the backfield when you're talking about a Ty Johnson, a Tevin Coleman who routinely gets eight, nine yards of carry when he runs the ball and gets straight downhill. And then Austin, you know, Walter, you know, had a hell of a game. I know he's, I think, from the Texas area. Yeah. First carry almost, you know, hit his head on the goalpost, but then eventually does it on the next carry. So this is a guy that you got a good contribution from in the game. So, you know, they just have comparable backs. And, you know, Michael Carter is a, is a really good player. He's going to probably be a great player, one of the best all-purpose backs in the football this year because so many backs have been hurt. I can say he's been one of the better all-purpose backs this year. But, uh, you know, hurting him, you know, it's a loss. But I think the backs that the, the Jets have have done a really good job. And in the old offensive line, they put the game on them. Like, like, put the game in our hand. Don't worry about it. We got a young quarterback. We know that. Put the game in our hand. We're going to run the ball until they stop it. In. And that's what Mike LaFleur did. He did a really good job of scheming up different runs. That way his running backs could have success. I think Ty Johnson was either 6 for 42 or 7 for 42. E- either or, it doesn't matter. He's averaging 6 or 7 yards a clip. You mentioned Austin Walter, who was promoted from the practice yeah. squad on Saturday. He scores a touchdown on Sunday. One of his relatives was working at the stadium. He had a ton of people inside the building in JFM. It was a homecoming for him. Yeah. That was such a cool uh, moment for both of those dudes, going home in front of fans and friends and loved ones and really showing up. Yeah, anytime you go back to an area where you're from or near from, like you want to show up for your family members. I know it was like that for me. Anytime I had a game in Florida where I was playing, you know, versus Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, or Miami, I wanted to show up because I knew I was going to have family members there. And, you know, for the, your family members to travel and whether you're paying for the tickets or not, you know, it's a blessing for your family to come see you in person, especially because a lot of times they're not able to do that because say you live in New York and your family's in Florida, everybody can't just travel to New York when they want to. So to be able to play in front of your families, you could tell it was a little bit of added motivation for JFM, for Austin Walters, and both of those guys had career days on Sunday, and maybe we should have their families, you know, fly up to New York this Sunday. <laughs> I, I like that, but uh, we just heard it from Elijah Moore, who is – wise beyond his years saying that hey you're not going to be doing this forever so when you have games like that you you got to treasure those Uh, you you know because that's something that austin walter and jfm who's still kicking himself for not getting a touchdown (laughs) and the interception return they're never going to forget it they're going to be talking about it with their family the rest of their lives yeah you said it right and it was something that happened in front of their family so like during the holiday season when they retire. Like, they're going to bring you, hey, you remember, you know, we came to your game versus Texans. You had an interception, you know, uh, two sacks, a couple tackles for losses. Like, man, that was just a great time. And then for for Walters, like, you know, um, being able to be elevated, you know, the game the day before going to play the Houston Texans, right? And, like, you can't write a better storybook story. Like, 
I'm going to be playing in front of my family for the first time this season. And the first time as a Jet in a regular season, and I score a touchdown. Like, it doesn't get much better. This is what sports is about, right? Like, it's, it's more than just on the field. It's about the relationships and yep. the storylines, you know, that happen on the field. So, like, it, it's just those are two amazing stories. Oh, we are moving so quick here. Right now, we're going to turn the mics over to Caroline Hendershot, and then we'll have our Jets-Eagles preview, and we will also recap Zach Wilson's first action in more than a month. We would love to welcome in Priscilla Frederick Loomis. So Priscilla, you have had the craziest journey. You were a 2016 <laughs> Olympian and yeah. you're U.S. born though, but you competed for Antigua and Barbuda. Yeah. And w in 2020, when you were training for the 2020 Olympics, which ended up getting postponed, you were yeah. diagnosed with COVID in January and that really turned your world upside down. So what yeah. happened once you got diagnosed and recovered from the initial COVID? So I was diagnosed with COVID in the January of 2021. So it was actually this year. And so I was so ready for the Olympics in 2020. And then for them to get postponed, I was okay with it because I said, I've been given the gift to train more and um, to work on my weaknesses and just be ready to go. So all of 2020, I was in my living room, in my, you know, in the driveway, at parks, just lifting, working out, what, doing whatever that I could. And so I was pushing myself to the limit in December. And so I knew that I couldn't take my foot off the gas pedal. I knew that I had to keep going. And so getting the diagnosis in January kind of wasn't that big of a of an issue because I was working with my doctor and um, he was saying, it'll be okay. It'll hit you like the flu. You eat right. You're a professional athlete. You'll be fine. You'll bounce back. And I knew that one of a good friend of mine, um, Katie, who was a pole vaulter for the US, she got COVID. And so she did a story about it. And so I reached out to her and she was like, yeah, you kind of you know, feel a little bit off, but then you get right back to it. So I felt really good about it. Um, but during the time of getting COVID, I never felt worse. I thought I was never going to recover because each day, you know, when you get sick, you get a little bit better each day. And it felt like I was getting worse. And so for me, I was just, I felt so, like I, in my heart, I was like, it'll be okay. But I knew something was off. I knew something was wrong. And so it was a little scary to one, see the news and for everybody to be freaking out and not know what COVID is. And there's long COVID and the shots and all this kinds of stuff. And then to be on my couch being like, I have to go to the Olympics in a few months. So there was, it was a roller coaster of emotion just for the first 10 to 14 days. And then gradually, it just got worse. So it was a whirlwind of emotions, just trying to train the Olympics getting postponed and feeling the way that I was feeling. And it's almost so rare for an athlete to feel like they're getting worse as they get sick. Yeah. I feel like every athlete is in their top performance shape and to get, to feel like you're getting worse is probably a really scary feeling, right? 
it was terrifying because for right. me, I was never that person that would go to trainers. If I had like a, a minor injury, I was like, all right, we'll be okay. I'll walk it off. I was, mm -hmm. I never wanted to be in the trainer's office. I never wanted to be sick. I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to push through and I'm going to be better. And so being on the couch, I couldn't move. And I say the couch because I legitimately was on my couch because I couldn't move. I tried to take a shower like five days in, which is so gross. And I almost passed out in the shower. So I literally just was confined to my couch. I had no energy. My heart was killing me. I had all this chest pain and I had like no appetite. My nose was running, you know, like all, like it was just, just shivers and it just wasn't getting better. And, and, you know, when I went to the doctors, they were like, you can leave your house after, you know, the 14 days. And after 14 days, I wasn't better. But because they said that, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to push myself to, to get back up because I had a meet. I was in top, I was in top peak shape. I was ready to go. I had a meet the following week after I got diagnosed that I had to withdraw from. And so that was devastating to me because all this time we were all waiting, waiting, waiting to compete. And I finally get the opportunity and I got COVID. So I knew that it was one of those things where it was just going to suck. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you mentioned those chest pains that you were having yeah. and you, you were past your 14 day period and you yep. continued to have those chest pains and you went to the doctor and yeah. the doctor gave you some pretty career altering, life altering news. What did they say when you went to the doctor? So the first, I'll give you a really quick synopsis of yep. the, of how it came to be. I was released after 14 days. I started to still feel these chest pains from day one. I had chest pains. So I started working out and on my nifty little watch, it tells you what you're, you know, I track my, my heart, uh, my heart rate. And it was ridiculous. It was like 197. It was something ridiculous. And so I finally told my doctor, because like I said, I pushed through. I don't care. I just pushed through. So I was like, let me just tell him, you know, I'm having chest pain. He goes, stop what you're doing. Take yourself to urgent care. Go get an EKG. Once the urgent care got an EKG, they said, everything looks fine, but you need to go to the hospital because we can't release you and be like, you're fine when you're still having chest pain. So I went to the hospital, spent hours and hours in the hospital. They did another EKG. They did a chest X-ray. They did all kinds of tests that I seriously had no idea. I was, I had, you know, I was hooked up, all this kind of stuff. And after six hours, they were like, you're fine. Everything came back fine. Um, but you need to go follow up with a specialist. So I was, and I was super upset because all I wanted to do that day was celebrate National Pizza Day or whatever it was. So I was super <laughs> upset and I was in the hospital chair, you know, I'm like, oh, this is not where I need to be. And so it, from that point on, it was a nonstop four to five, six weeks of calling doctors, offices, getting the runaround, not being able to speak to an actual doctor. And then, you know, finally getting to see one virtually because we're still in COVID and him being like, you have to get a chest monitor. So they sent me one and then having to find another doctor and seeing them in person and trying scheduling a chest, um, uh, an echo, and then, you know, trying to schedule other tests and then getting them canceled, going through more receptionists and 
it was just a whirlwind of in and out of doctors. And finally, um, the one doctor said to go get a, um, an MRI, um, I guess with contrast. And that was finally the one where I got a call on Friday night and I didn't want to answer it. So I made my husband answer it. And the doctor said, we got the results and it doesn't look good. You know, your heart doesn't look good. And we don't know what could happen, but it could be fatal. And we don't recommend you train anymore for the Olympics. Your Olympic journey is over. And wow. that's, it was, it didn't seem real, right? Like right. I've been training for so long. I've pushed through so many things. I had pulled my hamstring right before the 2016 Olympics and I got oh, over Oh man. That. And I was like, I guess like for me, I'm just like, you know, I'm a warrior. Warriors go to battle, right? Like we got to do what we got to do, but we always come ahead. So getting that call and having my husband put it on speakerphone and seeing his reaction because he had been with me this whole journey, this whole time. Mm -hmm. And to, and he had sacrificed, my mom had sacrificed, you know, like we, everyone, this great community around me had sacrificed so much to get me to these games. And for something like that to happen after all that time, Sometimes I wish I didn't say anything. Sometimes yeah, I wish I would have just been like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's way harder to deal with a possible retirement when you're being forced into it rather than when you choose to retire on your own. Of course. So I can only imagine all of those emotions running through your head. And yeah. so you get that news mm -hmm. and you think your Olympic journey is over. Yes. What did you do next? I grabbed a glass of rosé and a bag of peanut M&M's. That's what I did. <laughs> um, but then once that all subsided, um, mm -hmm. you know, different news outlets reached out to me. And um, during this whole experience, everyone, you know, South Jersey Magazine, um, NewJersey.com, and, you know, CNN, all these news outlets, you know, because COVID was such a, you know, is still such a hot topic. Right. But um, somebody gave me a call and it was a director and her name is Nina. And I am so grateful for her because without her, none of this would be possible. So um, she gave me a call and said, hey, I heard about your story on one of the New Jersey media outlets. And my mom is a nurse and we want to see if we can connect you with another doctor just to give another opinion and make sure this is concrete. I said, OK. And it was 1% a glimpse of hope. Mm -hmm. And that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Yeah. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, it's not over. It's not over yet. And so, but just going from crashing and diving to being like my Olympic journey is over and then being like, you have a little bit of hope. It was just a whole, a whole whirlwind of emotion. Right. And so yes. from that I had to, of course, go through the more secretaries, all kinds of stuff. But I was connected with a doctor in North Jersey, uh, Dr. Martinez. And he was like, yeah, let's set it up. Let's do something. Come on up. And it was a miserable rainy Wednesday. My mom and I drove the two and a half, three hours. And 
We got there and I'm like, all right, so all you have to do is look at the disc, let's go, clear me, we can be out. And I guess he was running late and I was just like, oh, this man, this man. So I'm just like, I have all this pent up energy. And so he looks at the disc and he goes, I need you to explain the entire situation over again. So I explained the entire situation and he looks at me and says, Priscilla, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Your heart does look different, but that's because you're an elite athlete. I don't know what happened, but I'm clearing you. And wow. I like, even right now, I'm like, whew. Yeah, you have chills. Mom, like, like, I, like, yeah, like my mom and I looked at each other and we were just like, oh my God. My second reaction was, I can't believe I lost so much time because this was now two months that I hadn't trained and that's detrimental to anybody's career. Right. 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 And I said, it doesn't matter. This is my comeback story. When they do the 30 for 30 on me, this is going to make it so much better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he stuck by me. He said, here's my number. Call me. I still want to run some tests, you know, later on after a couple of weeks, don't, go hundred percent day one, slowly but surely get back to it. But I want to see you at the games. And I was, I gave him a hug. I made him take a picture with me. I, you know, I did so much. I I was just so grateful and so thankful. I'm thankful to the other doctors as well, because I don't want to put them down, but they, in their right, they did what was best because they were looking out for me. And so, but when you're an elite athlete, things look different. And so Mm -hmm. I needed that kind of doctor expertise to help me. And I'm so grateful for Nina for connecting me and her mom for connecting me to Dr. Martinez, who worked with the Jets. So it was was the coolest thing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I think a lot of people don't know that Dr. Martinez, he is from Atlantic Health System, Morristown Medical Center, but he is nationally recognized in identifying (laughs) and treating athletes with underlying heart conditions. And once you get to the elite level, like you were saying, your heart does look different, but that's because you are so trained and in such good shape that it's bound to look a little bit different than the normal yeah. heart. And so Just he was able to spot different. those differences. Yeah. Right. Like we, we yeah. both, we athletes look different than, you know, most people. So right. I am so, so grateful for him. And I, it was kind of like a, like a little sign from, you know, mm-hmm. like from God being like, look, cause I grew up, uh, from when I grew up, I guess from college on, you know, being a jet fan. And so, mm-hmm having that kind of connection, I was like, Ooh, yay. Like, this is so cool. It's like a little, a little glimpse of hope. So it definitely, like, he was so great. He was so calm. He checked up on me and he really just, and he, in that, in that, in that meeting with him, he called another one of his doctors because he sent my results over to him. And he was like, do you see anything? And he was like, no, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. So it was just this feeling of relief and like humility. Right. And so I was, I was really, really grateful. And it couldn't be more full circle because this Sunday you are going to be one of our honorary captains for the Jets game and you'll get to see Dr. Martinez again. How did you ever imagine that you would be an honorary captain for a Jets game? Girl, no, 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 (laughs) no. I never thought I would be. It is 
humbling. It's so, mm -hmm. so on. Like, I am so honored to be able to do it this Sunday. I am super, super stoked. I am really, really excited to see Dr. Martinez again because he, he did so much for me and he didn't right. have to, you know, mm -hmm. and he essentially just gave me back that, that sense of hope and that warrior spirit and, you know, and, you know, went above and beyond for me. So I'm super excited to see him. I'm really hoping um, to meet you, hopefully. And yes. um, to, I don't like, I don't even know what all that entails, but if they need me to call some plays, just, I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for everything. Put My me in coach. With me. She, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> she's ready. Put, put her ready. in coach Sala. <laughs> well, we cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. It, you. you never know by sharing a story who it can help and just opening up people to the possibilities of exploring other doctors and other programs, especially like Atlantic Health Systems program who have made groundbreaking moves in cardiology and discovering underlying heart issues. So I thank can't you agree so much. Yes, I can't agree. Can't more, wait to you. see you on Sunday. And yes, can we get a let's go Jets from you? Let's go, Jets. Let's go, baby. Y'all got this. Let's do it. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Woo! Amazing. Thank you, Priscilla. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you guys so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wow. What a loaded podcast. You've heard from Elijah Moore. We heard from Caroline Hendershot and Priscilla Frederick Loomis, who's going to be honored and celebrated at the game Sunday, Jets, Eagles. And now you're going to get a little game preview for myself and Leger Duzable. Eagles coming to town. They are. This, 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 is, this is going to be a physical battle. Like, literally, this, this game is going to be won and lost in the trenches. And people say that every week. But more specifically this week, because you got to think about it, right? Joe D came from the Philadelphia Eagles, right? How does he like to build his team? Mm. Through the trenches. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles – have done like their best players are in the trenches. So the Eagles are banged up at the quarterback position. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, we're sitting here Tuesday morning. We got to remind everybody official Jets podcast presented by WinBet is taped on Tuesday. So mm -hmm. you're saying that, hey, listen, if Jalen Hurts is out of the lineup, that might not actually be a good thing because you think Gardner Minshew brings some juice to the table. He can run it as well. This is the magic man. Like you never <laughs> know like what Gardner Minshew you're gonna get, right? And the thing is, he's always done a really good job of taking care of the football, and that's probably the difference between him and Fitz when you talk about like people being magical. Um, but he can get hot. Like he can get hot and mess around and throw for three hundred and run for eighty. So like you never know what you're gonna get. Now will the offense change a little bit with Gardner Minshew in? Yes, but Gardner Minshew still has the run ability at quarterback. I mean, but if we looked it up, he's averaged over five yards a carry Throughout at the quarterback career, yep. position. So he can run the football as well. Now, he's not as good an athlete as Jalen Hurts by any means, but I think I would take a banged-up Jalen Hurts this game over a Gardner Minshew. The Eagles run the ball better than anybody in the National Football League. In fact, when they run it. That's your point. <laughs> you think they should have left MetLife Stadium last week with a win, bottom line, but they just started right. passing the football. They should have left MetLife with a win. They should have left San Francisco with a win. It's because they just dropped back and passed the ball too much. My thing is, literally, I went back and watched the game versus the Giants last week, and 
every time they ran quarterback counter or power when they pulled a guard and a tackle around with Jalen Hurts with the football, this dude wasn't touched until he was like 15 yards down the field. Wow. Like, I would have ran that to the cows came home because the Giants were in a reduced front, and for people that don't know, that means you bring in an extra guy, you reduce the front. So, like, you bring in one of your linebackers on the edge, and you literally have four D linemen, one covered each. So you got one over the guard, one over the center, one over the other guard, one over the other tackle. So, like, you can't really double them. There's no double teams there. But even in the reduced front, the Giants were still giving up, like, 15 yards of carry to Jalen Hurts in the damn power encounter game. So, like, like you're not supposed to be able to run on that, EA. And they were running it down their throats <laughs> in the reduced front. So, like, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't get it. I, I hope they have that game plan this week where they feel like they want to drop back and throw it 50 times. But Minshew, I would you, welcome it. <laughs> uh, again, this might be all – Null and void. Yeah, because, I think I mean, Jalen Hurts is a, Hurts, he's a tough. Yeah. He's a tough kid. He'll probably most likely. Play. Yeah. Okay. So we've been praising the defensive line, rightfully so. Yeah. You think this matchup is much like Indianapolis in, in terms of that offensive line is going to come down, try to smack you in the mouth, and get those backs downhill and the quarterback downhill. Yeah. So it's it's similar to the run game of Tennessee, but it's. It's inventive, like the run game from the Colts. Mm. As far as like they'll run that that one back power, power, I call it power, but it's crunch without a puller, right? Two double teams on the you know the nose tackle and the three technique. They'll run that counter, that, you know that that quarterback counter power that we were just talking about. Well, instead of just pulling a guard like most teams do, they'll pull the guard and the tackle around, mm. and you know have the quarterback lead in behind that. They'll run that zone and they run the split zone with Dallas Goddard coming back and blocking the end. So it's not a tricky run game, but it puts you in a physical bind because of the offensive line they have. We talk about Jordan Mailata, one of the best young left tackles in football. They just paid him before the season. This season, He is a road grader, a dog, and just has that dog mentality. Lane Johnson has been one of the best right tackles in football the last decade. And Jason Kelsey got beat up last week, so we'll see if he comes back this week. But he has been one of the smartest and most athletic center centers in this game for the last decade as well. How about the challenge on the other side of the ball, inside the trenches, especially on the interior when you're yeah. talking about LDT, uh, Connor McGovern, of course, and, and your very impressive <laughs> rookie guard, yeah. AVT, going against Fletcher Cox and Jason Hargrave. Yeah, Javon Hargrave and, and, and Fletcher Cox. Javon, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. They, these are one of the best D-tackle tandems in football. Like, Hargrave hasn't gotten a lot of love because he was in Pittsburgh, left him with the Philly. Um, struggled his first year there. They've changed schemes this year, and he's played a lot better in the scheme this year. He's been practically unblockable at sometimes. I believe this kid's about 330, but he moves like he's 300 pounds. Like, he is a freak up front. So, like, you know, you know, LDT, AVT, McGovern, like, y'all got to strap it up this week. Yeah. It's going to be one of those games. It's going to be a phone booth Their game. defensive interior yeah. It, yeah, it, ranked them – Comparably to anybody in the league, yeah, they got to be best. right up there. Right? Yeah, they got to be one of the best deep tackle tandems in all of football. Yeah. Like this is gonna be a phone booth game. We're gonna see what you about this this <laughs> week because those guys on the other side, as far as Fletcher Cox and Hargrave, they they gonna bring it every play. Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, yeah. yep, uh, it, they can make it a long afternoon. I love the matchup because. The Jets got to be feeling good about what they did against Houston, but they're stepping up in class in a big way on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that's where Joe Douglas wants to build this. And you keep on pointing this out. Where did Joe Douglas come from? He came from Philadelphia. Yeah. Finally, and not 
least in terms of the significance out there on Sunday. Zach Wilson, what do you want to see from him against the Eagles? And what did you see from him last week? Obviously a little bit of rest, but he showed some moxie and metal. He got the victory in Houston. Yeah, he did just enough to win the game, right? We, got, we expected some rust. This guy hadn't played in four weeks. So, you know, the first game back, usually the quarterback struggles his very first game back. We even saw that with Aaron Rodgers when he came back from COVID. He struggled the next week. So a lot of quarterbacks struggled their first week back. So I expected to see some rust. But what I liked about Zach Wilson in the second half, like knowing where to go with the football on that play where Braxton Berrios runs a quick little hitch route and – they blitz. He knew the blitz was coming. He got the ball to him, and then he was he allowed his playmaker to make a play. Mm-hmm. Forty six yards later, then also on third and eight, right? He finds Ryan Griffin down the seam. Ryan Griffin doesn't get the first down, but he gives you the option to go for it on fourth and one. And then Mike McFarland with a great play call, speed sweep to Elijah Moore. They get the first down, and then again fourth and six. Finally, Keelan Cole on the in breaking dig route. His back foot hit, and he let that ball go. And when he's done that routinely. He's had successes. When he's held the ball and hitched, that's where he struggled. And then also making the routine and easy throws, like finding your backs out of the backfield. He sailed one to uh, Tevin Coleman early in the game. He sailed one to Austin Walter early in the game. And then even to Elijah Moore, you know, he on a quick out route, he kind of skipped the ball to him. So that's what I want to see him work on, his footwork on those throws, because like when you made that throw to Keelan Cole, you, you planted that foot. As soon as that back foot hit, you let it go. But on the throws to the flats, man, your footwork was all over the place. So mm-hmm. I just want to see him progress in doing that, making sure that every throw your footwork is right. And it comes down to fundamentals with that. So if he can work on his fundamentals and progressing and then just taking care of the football, like the, the one interception he had was just a bad play. Like, yes, Ty was looking at you when you're getting ready to toss it to him, but this game happens quick. He saw that you're almost at the line of scrimmage, so in his head – I need to turn around and block for my quarterback so he could potentially get a first Can down. I just tell you how many people screenshotted that moment where Ty was looking at like him? They have the, they that's have the not stop. even fair, that's, man. That's not, <laughs> this game is split-second decision. So, like, Ty Johnson, as soon as he sees his quarterback running at him and he's, like, there for a second and a half, you don't throw it to me, I'm turning around to block because that's what I'm taught to do. So, like, you can screenshot it, but that's not how the game of football works. It's in motion. You can't freeze-frame something in a millisecond and think that's – you know, Man, people sitting happening. at home sending that to I me. I saw that, and I, I was like, I, I, stop like, it. I, really? Zach should not have made that play. I'm just going to be 100%. But I'll tell you, I can tell you that he would think say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, he would say the same thing. And the play that he should have made and he did make was maybe you don't see this a lot from the rookie, from rookie quarterbacks. Crowded box. Yeah. You're down there inside the red zone. And instead of handing it off where the ball was supposed to go yeah. to, he keeps it. So that's a that's sign pro- of progress right a, there. Yeah, exactly. So most most times you would like to either check out of that play, but what he decided to do, instead of just handing the ball off, he kept it, right? And Texans actually had it defended really well, but he did a really good job in the open field showing his athletic ability, making two guys miss, getting vertical, and getting a touchdown. So that's progress right there, not just handing the ball off into a loaded box, knowing it's going to be either a tackle for a loss or gain of nothing right there. He decided to – you know, I'm going to keep this ball because they might not even expect this. Even though the Texans were ready, he still was able to make a play. So you see growth right there as well. But I just want to see him make growth and making those easy routine throws. And if he could do that, you know, who knows where this offense can go. Yeah, for my money, for the Jets to make hay offensively, they have to get eight the ball because yeah. he's the most dynamic performer on that offensive unit. And the Eagles have a stingy defense. 
and the Jets make things happen when Elijah Moore gets the football. We saw that at the beginning of the second half last week. Yeah, and it'll be interesting this week, and Michael LaFleur has done a, an amazing job of moving Elijah Moore around, so you can't really pinpoint where he's going to be at. Put him in the backfield again this week, which I love because that's exactly what he did at Ole Miss. They've given him some speed sweeps. They try to get him like two or three of those a game, which you have to do because he's so dynamic in the open field with the ball in his hands. They've lined him up in the slot, lined him up outside now. Will the Philadelphia Eagles, who have a all-pro corner and mm-hmm. Darius Slay, will he end up following him depending on if Corey Davis is back this week? And that's something that we're going to keep abreast to this week. Again, it's only Tuesday here yeah. in the studio, so we'll know more tomorrow. Will he follow Elijah Moore around? Or because Mike LaFord moves him so much, will it be hard for him to even try to follow him around? So that's something to watch this game. Uh, a fascinating game on multiple fronts because the Jets have not – won consecutive games yeah. this year. And the Eagles, while the record isn't good, they're right in the midst of the playoff hunt yeah. because everybody in that NFC is pretty much in it right now. Yeah, and that was a big loss for them, right? Because yeah. they had they could have made some hay when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and maybe shrinking that league mm. in the division. But they end up losing a divisional game to the Giants, um, which they should have ran one if they kept running the football or Jalen Rager potentially catches that ball at the end. You're talking about maybe going to overtime with the Giants, but they're a team that's going to be coming here pissed off because they felt like they let one slip away. I so, agree. You're so, facing a desperate team. Yeah, so you got the Jets have to know that going into this game. It kind of reminds you of the Indianapolis Colts because going into that game, they were a desperate team as well, and they needed to get that win, and they were able to get it versus the Jets. Will the Jets be able to match that intensity and the physicality without determine the outcome of this game for sure? Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll see you next week.